At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. This is Amy Brown from Four Things with Amy Brown. Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations with Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between offering quality care and support virtually, in person, and on the phone. It's in-home evaluations through Signify Health and meeting mental health needs through Aetna. And those are just a few of the ways that Healthier is happening. To see more, visit cvshealth.com slash healthier happens together. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health, and Aetna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more... Right now, you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. This is VEASAN's College Football Betting Podcast. Welcome in, everyone. Another edition of the VSIN College Football Betting Podcast. Tim Murray with you. And we're getting closer and closer. You could smell it. We've got media days going on. Big 12 this week. Mountain West here in lovely Las Vegas at Circa next week. Pac-12 as well. I'm sure I'm missing some others, but it's getting close, baby. And we obviously had the Northwestern news uh, drop earlier this week. We will discuss that uh, a bit with Matt Fortuna. Uh, who will join us, longtime college football reporter, has covered Notre Dame in depth, the Big Ten, and and a lot of national stories as well. So what we're going to do with Matt, because we've already broken down all the conferences, and we're going to revisit those conferences uh, certainly in the months of uh, August when we release our VSIN college football betting guide, which is uh, expected out in early August. We'll have Matt Humans, we'll have Wes Reynolds, Adam Burke, et cetera, on to break down uh, particular conferences once again win totals best bets all of that but what I wanted to do today uh, was take a look at the new quarterbacks in college football and what I mean by that is new locations because they've all been around but with this day and age with the transfer portal being uh, as uh, fluid as it is and the quarterback position uh, you know <laughs> you wear out your welcome very quickly you uh, we're going to go down the list of all of the quarterbacks uh, in the Power Five ranks that are new uh, with Matt Fortunas. We're going to do that here with him 
momentarily. Uh, after that, I want to hit on just a couple of the new faces in your bigger places. Uh, we'll run down those quickly. And then uh, stay tuned at the end uh, of the podcast because Matt Humans jumped on Follow the Money with me and Sean King. We were filling in for Mitch and Paul uh, earlier this week, and he had two win totals that he has already played that are still available uh, that he goes in on. So two win totals from Matt Humans to wrap up the podcast. But first, we talk to Matt Fortuna. Just a reminder before we get to the Matt Fortuna interview, please rate, review, and subscribe. I've been loving the feedback. Uh, thank you guys so much uh, th- throughout the summer months. We've tried to keep it uh, regular, at least one pod per week, hopefully maybe a couple next week uh, for you guys as well. Uh, but please continue to uh, subscribe, hit that like button on iTunes, uh, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Let's keep it rolling. But without further ado, a breakdown of the new quarterbacks and the Northwestern situation with the man who broke that news of the firing of Pat Fitzgerald, Matt Fortuna. So here you go, Matt Fortuna. And as promised, Matt Fortuna, longtime college football reporter. Follow him on Twitter at Matt underscore Fortuna. Matt and I have a, a fair share of uh, text exchange during the football season, and uh, I'm sure those will return uh, in the near future. But uh, it was it was excited to get him on the pod. Uh, and we'll start, Matt, with the news that you broke uh, just a couple days ago. Obviously, with everything that has unfolded at Northwestern, you live there in Chicago. You've covered the Big Ten for a long time for, for multiple different uh, uh, publications. And uh, you got the news first that uh, Pat Fitzgerald was indeed let go. And, you know, honestly, you know, the way that I've been looking at the Northwestern angle of things is look we're a betting network this is a betting podcast and that's how i like to kind of look at things whether that's the the right or wrong way that that's what we are you know matt but um just i guess as this went came out and it was moving at warp speed were you surprised ultimately that northwestern pulled uh, the metaphorical trigger as fast as they did once the the news and, and the story from the Daily Northwestern came out? Uh, I wasn't once we got to Monday morning. And I, I say that because, like you said, Tim, I mean, this thing moved fast. The, 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 the report was, well, the report wasn't released, but news of the report from the school uh, was released on Friday along with the, the two-week unpaid suspension for Pat Fitzgerald. And day after day after day, there were more and more headlines. And, and, and you know, the, the first bombshell dropped by the Daily Northwestern was big enough to call everything into question. Um, once you saw the school president, Michael Schill, backtrack and put out a statement pretty much on his own Saturday night saying, I'm going to reevaluate uh, Pat Fitzgerald's you know, discipline, uh, you, you, you figured he was a dead man walking from that point on. And then Monday morning, there were two other reports from two different uh, student news outlets uh, affiliated with Northwestern, citing different, and, and I don't want to miscredit anyone here or misspeak here. I don't have them in front of me, but there, there were two different reports. One talking about uh, culture problems uh, and, and players, uh, minority players speaking about how they didn't feel like they were part of the team, and, and another that, that I believe had more detailed 
hazing allegations from previous eras. And again, once that cat is out of the bag and a lot of people can and have been litigating the validity of a lot of this, and I know there are a lot of screenshots of old tweets from some of the people who are quoted that would contradict uh, some of the statements and comments they made on Monday. But, but once that's out there, you're playing from behind. It was only Monday and there were two more stories that did not paint Northwestern football in a great light under Pat Fitzgerald. So, so you knew he, you knew he was done then because the longer you left him out to dry, the more and more stories that were going to come out ruining his and the school's reputation. So I figured he was going to get fired or resigned or, or something of the sort that day, because it just could not go on any longer um, under those circumstances. But again, Michael Schill's the president of that school. He got there in September. He's been there less than a year. Uh, he put out a statement about discipline on Friday. He put out a different statement about a different discipline on Saturday, and he ultimately fired him with a statement uh, on Monday. And everything I've been told, Michael Schill had no new information. Everything that the whistleblower told the Daily Northwestern and other outlets was in the report that the law firm handed to Northwestern, the, the report that the firm, excuse me, that the school read and ultimately decided was worthy of a two-week suspension. So the only thing that changed in Michael Schill's mind is public backlash. <laughs> and when you look at it, it's, you know, higher ed for you, right, Tim? I mean, uh, it's typical Friday news dump. Hey, we did a report. They found it to be credible. Um, we're not going to release the findings of that report, and we're going to suspend our coach. Now, uh, wink, wink, right? Suspension. Two weeks in July, which is probably the quietest time of the year for, for a college football coach. Uh, a place like Northwestern, which – found itself in hot water two years ago with their athletic director search. And as me and you know, because we're probably the only two guys in this business who don't have Northwestern degrees, <laughs> has a lot of journalism people in this business and has a lot of hungry reporters on campus to think that they saw how extreme and how detailed some of these allegations were and that they wouldn't go public, that these allegations would not become public. Um, just reeks of institutional and administrative arrogance. And so that's why you're seeing right now, Pat Fitzgerald lawyer up, um, you know, his lawyers has spoken to ESPN and, and said they tried firing my client for cause. I don't know how you can do that. Um, when, when you agreed that two weeks was worthy of the suspension, when the law report itself said that Pat Fitzgerald had no knowledge of these allegations. And again, I think those of us who follow this sport, uh, you know, pretty closely can, can, can you know, ha have our thoughts about what a head coach, realistically does and doesn't know and should and shouldn't know. But the school themselves and the law for report themselves said Pat Fitzgerald did not know this. I don't know how you can fire him for cause. And that that's a 40 million plus dollar decision that Michael Schill just made on his own. And obviously Michael Schill has, is new there. He has not handled this thing well. Neither he nor the athletic director, Derek Gragg, has shown their face in public or taking questions for the decision to make this, you know, huge financial uh, uh decision, obviously, firing the football coach, but also to, to fire a, arguably the greatest player in football uh, in Northwestern history and the winniest coach in Northwestern history, who, who is beloved despite all the things that, that we learned about him and his program in the last 96 hours. So it, it, it's been one mistake on top of another. I, I don't think this thing is anywhere close to ending just because the football coach got fired. There's a lot to sort out here, and it's, it's, it's crazy to see all this happening at Northwestern of all places, and in some ways happened for the second time in the last three years. 
Well, we here at VEASAN are uh, pro-Northwestern journalism uh, because uh, Brent Musburger, of course, is a proud uh, Northwestern alum, and as is Bill A.D. So uh, we are pro-Northwestern uh, <laughs> here, but uh, I was going to try to jump in and say, and Syracuse, let's not forget, that's the broadcasters. But uh, <laughs> uh, Matt, let's let's just look at the forecast now of this football team You know, heading into 2023. Um, you know, any preview magazine that you have out there is under the assumption that Pat Fitzgerald will be the head coach. Obviously, uh, our VEASAN college football betting podcast or betting uh, guide comes out in August. So we will make that proper adjustment. Um, <laughs> but you look at Northwestern um, from a football standpoint, assuming Pat Fitzgerald is coming back and you kind of almost give them the benefit of the doubt. But they've lost 17 of their last 18 games. They haven't won on American soil since uh, 2021 because their lone win last year was in Ireland against Nebraska. Uh, ben Bryant comes in from Cincinnati. Uh, he was also at Eastern Michigan once upon a time. Uh, so I believe this, if you I think it was Cincinnati, Eastern Michigan, Cincinnati, now yes. Northwestern. Um, and uh, this, is a, this is a roster that won one game last year, Matt. They lost their leading rusher, Evan Hull. They lost their top three pass catchers, I want to say. They lost the first-round pick in Peter Skaronsky. Uh, They lost their center, their right tackle. Um, I was looking at Circa prior to recording, and by the way, for anyone wondering, because I know summer podcasts kind of get lost in the shuffle, this is Wednesday, July 12th. Uh, the news came out on you know Monday. Uh, Circa had the win total up at three and a half, juice to the under. That's not a three. Uh, and you look at it, at Rutgers, UTEP, at Duke, Minnesota, Penn State, Howard, all at home, by week at Nebraska, Maryland, Iowa at Wrigley, at Wisconsin, Purdue, and at Illinois. So no Ohio State, no Michigan, but you know, how does this Northwestern team get to four wins when they've had a combined four wins the last two years when Pat Fitzgerald was on the sidelines? Right, Tim. I'm surprised it's still on the board. I'm surprised if it's, it is still on the board that that win total only dropped half a, half a win. Um, Cause we're talking again, about a team that went one and 11 last year, four and 20 over the last two years combined, you know, there were realistic concerns about this program from a purely football standpoint coming into this year, especially, and this is a whole other conversation for a whole nother podcast, but this was supposed to be the last year at Ryan field, as we know it, you know, they, they've committed Pat Ryan is committed $800 million uh, to build a new Ryan Field. And this was going to be the last year in the current building, which meant that this program was going to essentially be homeless in 2024 and 2025. So if they have another three win or less season this year, and again, you know, in, in the hypothetical world or Pat Fitzgerald still their coach, and you're talking about a program that has three straight horrible seasons and is going into a homeless stretch, that's going to make it obviously tougher to, to manage and to recruit to. You know, there were serious questions about, the future of Northwestern football from an on-field product standpoint. Now, you know, it, it's really hard to say because these guys right now have a, a 30 day window where they can transfer and be immediately eligible. Now, as we record this on July 12th, it's day one of big 12 media days, which tells you, you know, the season is right it's around the late, corner, man. I feel M bad for these, these guys. I, I, oh, I, I really feel terrible. do. I feel bad. I feel, for these I mean, guys. If you go in the portal, you better have a landing spot. Now, most people who do go in the portal do have a landing spot, but this late in the year, 
it's going to take some, some tricky math, I think, from a number of, of, of schools to try to add any of these players because they're getting ready for camp. They're getting ready for their seasons. Obviously, there's some talent on Northwestern's roster that you know would start immediately at, at other Power 5 programs. But you need to think long and hard about this decision if you're a Northwestern football player and you want to leave the program, especially when, you know, let's face it, you, you go to Northwestern, I'm not saying you don't go for the football, but, but the degree there is very, very valuable. And you'd be punting that away this late in the season amid a cloud of uncertainty when it comes to your football future as well. So that part remains to be seen. The other part, they have not said, like they, they, they said the staff is staying intact, you know, outside of Pat Fitzgerald, obviously. The way it's been conveyed to me and others is, is David Braun, the, the new defense coordinator, uh, not the interim head coach, not even the, the quote unquote acting head coach, but, you know, kind of the leader of the program right now. And, and that's how it's been conveyed to those in the building as well, again, as of Wednesday, which, you know, I, I think it's too late in the calendar to go out and hire a head coach. I, maybe you go the Jim Grobe route with a Paul Crist or, or David Shaw or Derek Mason or someone like that who, who, who is, you know, theoretically available right now. I think that's unlikely. But the fact that they have yet to officially say, here's our coach for the, our head coach, for the 2023 season leaves that possibility open and lets your mind wander a little bit. The other thing, David Braun is a 30 something year old lifelong FCS coordinator. He's never even been a power five assistant. And now he is the big 10 head coach. Again, assuming he gets the job uh, under just extraordinary difficult circumstances. Big, big 10 media day starts two weeks from today, whether it's David Braun or someone they hire between now and then, that's going to be really the first public appearance. And there aren't going to be any football questions. I can tell you that. At least 90% of them won't have anything to do with the, with the team's performance this year. So there is a lot of uncertainty around this program. I, I do think the schedule softens up a little bit. Um, I, I thought there was maybe a path to six wins with this team under normal circumstances. And I only say that because I've counted them out before under Pat Fitzgerald. And you know he's made a habit of proving me and a lot of other people wrong from a football standpoint. Now, I, I just don't know. I, I love the addition of Ben Bryant. Um, you know, he, he had a pretty good college career, but more than anything, he, he's proven goods, right? You, you've outlined his kind of circuitous path to Cincinnati, to Eastern Michigan, and back to Cincinnati. He started more than 20 games at two different programs, including a very good program at Cincinnati. And, and that lends credibility and stability to a quarterback room that's really lacked it for the most part since Clayton Thorson left. I know in 2020 they had uh, – was it Peyton Ramsey, I think, from Indiana, who led them to a division title. But, you know, they, they've really struggled at quarterback. And when you're good at quarterback, that can mask a lot of other issues with the program. So I think when you add a, a at least a proven starter who's earned his stripes at quarterback and you completely remake your coaching staff after firing three guys last year and losing one other to the NFL, um, you know, I think there was reason for, for cautious optimism as far as getting back to, to bowl contention. But right now, I mean, I got to tell you, Tim, you know, who knows what this roster will look like 72 hours from now, let alone two months from now. Yeah, I think all of this is just making me kick myself because I was on Follow the Money on Tuesday, and I'm like, three and a half. I'm like, ah, feels square to go under that. And now that three and a half is gone, and it's at three. So, uh, I, I mean, look, may, maybe there is a win, win one for Fitz kind of rally the troops message here. That's possible. Um, again, I'm not sure how good this team was. Yeah, I was going to say, where's the, where's the talent, though? That's the problem, <laughs> right. you know? I mean... You know, I know uh, Bryce Gallagher is pretty good linebacker there. They've got a decent linebacker core, but yeah, uh, we'll see. I mean, they lost a lot from a team that sucked. So, you know, it's like, wow, you are a bad team and you lost a pro 
in Skaronsky. You lost your running back. You lost your wide receivers. But, uh, yeah, we will see. But this uh, this transitions us, Matt, into something that I did earlier this week uh, on VSIN, which was taking a look at all of the new quarterbacks in the Power Five. And by my calculations, a third of the teams in Power Five football have a new transfer quarterback. This isn't even talking about, you know, Dante Moore potentially starting at UCLA. This is Power Five to Power Five, even though Tanner Mordecai is a part of this. Uh, Power Five to Power Five transfers. So I'm going to run down that list. We're calling this... Same face, new place. All right, there you go. A little little production for uh, the... uh, for the summer months. All right, I'm going to run down and then we'll dive through them, though. But I want to get them all in here. And now, once again, not all these guys are going to start, but these are new faces, uh, same faces in new places, as you just heard from the uh, the beautiful little uh, production there. All right, Alabama, they get Tyler Buckner from Notre Dame. Notre Dame gets Sam Hartman from Wake Forest. Wisconsin gets Tanner Mordecai from SMU. Iowa gets Cade McNamara from Michigan. Oregon State gets DJ Uyunglele from Clemson. Ole Miss gets Spencer Sanders and Will Howard, if you want to throw him in there. Spencer Sanders from Oklahoma State, Will Howard from LSU. And neither of them may start. They might just stick with Jackson Dart. Kentucky gets Devin Leary from NC State. Pittsburgh, Phil Jakovic from Boston College. NC State, Brendan Armstrong from Virginia. Auburn gets Peyton Thorne from Michigan State. Florida gets Graham Mertz from Wisconsin. Nebraska, Jeff Sims from Georgia Tech. Colorado gets Shador Sanders from Jackson State. Obviously not a power five to power five there. Northwestern, as we've talked about, Ben Bryant from Cincinnati. Purdue, Hudson Card from Texas. Louisville, Jack Plummer from Cal. Also was at Purdue at one point in time. Georgia Tech, Haynes King from Texas A&M. Oklahoma State, Alan Bowman from Michigan. Prior to that, Texas Tech. Keaton Slovis, he's at BYU. Yes, he's still playing college football, folks. Pittsburgh, prior to that, USC. Houston, they're now Power 5. Remember, Big 12. They get Donovan Smith from Texas Tech. Will he be the starter? TBD. Emory Jones, he's at Cincinnati. He comes from Arizona State. Drew Pine from Notre Dame. He's at Arizona State. And Luke Altmeyer from Ole Miss is now at Illinois, Matt, I'm going to take a water break. I got to catch my breath. Uh, I don't think I, I don't think I missed any of them, but you know, this is the day and age we are uh, here in college football where, I mean, it's just uh, it's musical chairs at the quarterback position and power five conferences. So um, I, I want to hit on Sam Hartman with you because you cover Notre Dame very closely. Um, but of that list, is there a, intrigue factor for one particular situation that's higher than another yeah let me tag on to just the 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 craziness of everything you just mentioned in this i was keeping track of in real time and i'm sure there are other examples of this that have been lost to to just how many transfers there are phil dracovic's going to face bc and notre dame next year two teams (laughs) he played for jack Plummer is going to face notre dame with a third different team he started for Cal against Notre Dame, and he started for Purdue against Notre Dame in each of the last two years at Notre Dame Stadium. <laughs> DJ Oyungle is going to face his brother, Oregon State versus Oregon. And then, of course, there's Sam Hartman facing Wake and Brennan Armstrong facing Virginia, and I'm sure loads of other examples uh, you know, th- th- that we can go down the list with. But, you know, t- to your point, I mean, you know, I had five guys circled pr- from that list that, that I-, I think are very intriguing, all for different reasons. And we could go down the list with each of them, but but Buckner, Hartman, Mordecai, 
Armstrong and Card are, are five that really stand out to me. Uh, I'll, I'll start with the last one first. Card, I just think everything I've heard from every coach who, who recruited this guy and, and who was intrigued by him when he went into the portal – is really, really high on him. You know, his greatest curse right now is essentially not being Quinn Ewers or, you know, uh, Arch Manning. You know, obviously the Texas quarterback room is going to probably need its own reality show this year, even without Hudson Card. But that's a guy who I think is very talented, uh, is going to be playing in a, you know, very high-paced offense uh, under Graham Harrell at Purdue uh, on a roster that I don't think is really all that talented. I think Purdue is going to take a match. You know, I know, know they won the West last year. Uh, but, you know, you have a new head coach there with Ryan Walters, who I'm excited to watch grow into that role and, and essentially remake that program. But I think it's going to take some time. I think they lost a lot from that roster last season. I think the, the style play is going to be completely different from what it was under Jeff Brom. Uh, but, but in some ways, I think that makes Card that much more intriguing because I think he'll have the potential to put up big numbers uh, on what's likely a bad team this year. The one who really, really intrigues me and who I think has been lost in all this is Brendan Armstrong. I mean, that was a guy who late in 2021 was a legitimate Heisman Trophy candidate, in my opinion. I mean, I don't think he was going to win the the trophy, but, you know, he was a guy who who had the chance to make some ballots and maybe even make it to New York. He ended up finishing second nationally in pass yards per game his last year, uh, excuse me, uh, not his last year, in 2021 at Virginia. He averaged 404 0.5 pass yards per game. Uh, you know, you're a Notre Dame fan. You watch that Notre Dame game um, without Brennan Armstrong, and, and you wondered if that was a Power 5 football team at Virginia. My biggest Armstrong. bet of the year when I heard that <laughs> Brennan Armstrong wasn't playing. I'm like, right, oh, this team's right. terrible. It was like, holy cow. <laughs> um, and then last year under Tony Elliott, uh, the new coaching staff in Charlottesville, he averaged just 221 yards per game. But he's going to NC State, which hired Robert and I, who was his OC at Virginia last year and who was the OC at Virginia two years ago and who was the OC at uh, Syracuse last year and, and remade that offense a little bit. So I think there's potential there. I mean, you know, his Heisman odds are like plus 15,000 something, you know, just completely asinine. I, I'm not saying he's going to win it, but you know, it's, there have been a lot of long shots who have won Heisman who you couldn't even find numbers for on the board because gambling wasn't exactly legal outside of your fair city um, <laughs> when this was happening. I, I think Brennan Armstrong's a, a very intriguing dark horse guy, a, a transfer who's flown under the radar, but who's proven, especially with Robert and I, that he's capable of doing really, really big things and putting up really, really big numbers. So I, I think that's a guy worth keeping an eye on here. We had uh, Will Brinson on uh, VEASAN earlier this week. He's an NC State guy, and you know he's an NFL reporter for CBS, but we were talking. I was giving him crap about the, the Wolfpack sign, which I think is the lamest thing ever. Um, <laughs> but uh, you know, I still have uh, uh, terrible memories of uh, Phil Rivers uh, throwing all over Notre Dame in the 2002 Gator Bowl. Uh, but look at that. Sca- I thought you were going to mention the hurricane game. Oh, God. Oh, that would – uh, that's a that's a whole different other podcast. Watching that <laughs> while I was uh, I was doing Navy studio work that day, and uh, oh. I had the Notre Dame game on a laptop, and I'm like, "What is happening? Why are they in shotgun in a monsoon? What is going on here?" Um, but the NC State situation is interesting. I think win total sitting at six and a half. Uh, you mentioned Robert and I, which is very important to note that he comes and he's the new offensive coordinator there for NC State, and they had all that success in 2021. NC State's schedule's not easy, but uh, they get pretty much everyone of note at home. They get Notre Dame, Louisville, Clemson, Miami, and North Carolina. So anyone who holds uh, NC State 
uh, season tickets this year is going to get their money's worth. All five of those teams come to uh, come to Raleigh this year, so we will see it. Brendan Armstrong, I'm looking at it. Circa has him at 100 to one to win the Heisman Trophy. So, yeah, very long shot there. Um, that is one of the more intriguing ones. I'm glad you mentioned, you know, uh, rekindling of uh, of an offensive coordinator. And obviously, we can get to Tyler Buckner and and Tommy Reese here, but. Uh, Phil Jerkovic was just got awful last year. And, and was it all his fault? Was it the offensive line fault? Uh, was it a little bit of both. I, I would say yes. Uh, he goes to Pitt and he is reunited with his old offensive coordinator, Kurt Signetti, where he had success at Boston College. Look, as much as I, I like to make jokes about Pat Narduzzi because he's just angry at everybody, um, you know, that's a team that that intrigues me this year in Pittsburgh because, you know, if Phil Dracovic can rekindle some of that 2021 uh, play that we saw during the COVID season, you know, their win total sitting at seven, uh, I could see Pitt. I mean, Pitt is a team that, you know, when you expect a lot from them, you don't always get that. But when you don't expect a ton from them, I feel like you, you can potentially get that. They lose their starting running back. But, you know, have you heard anything about Dracovic and how the fit has been so far there? Uh, and, and by the way, his hometown, he's going back home. He's a Pittsburgh guy. So he's back, uh, in his hometown playing for Pitt. Yeah. You know, everything you just said about Pitt, I think applies to NC state too, right? Like I think Doran and Arduzzi are very similar. Like we love them in the media cause they have no filter whatsoever, but they're both always angry at the world and, <laughs> and not afraid to share their feelings about that. And they're two coaches and teams who, like you said, with Pitt. I think they, 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 every time you count them out, they come and surprise you and, and post an eight or nine win season. Every time the, the expectations are higher, they trip over themselves against, you know, a, a group of five opponent or, or, a, you know, a bad Georgia Tech team or, you know, some other opponent that they should be more than capable of beating. Uh, I, I'm intrigued to see this one. I mean, Phil definitely needed, Phil Dracovic definitely needed a fresh start after last year. It was just everything that could have gone wrong for Boston College last year went wrong. Um, and I don't say that's an excuse their poor play, but, you know, I thought it was going to be a rough year for them before the injuries and everything just kind of catapulted into one. And, and now they're in the situation they're in. I know the relationship is strong with Frank Signetti. I know Phil Dracovic, you know, when he's on has looked really, really good. And he's a Pittsburgh guy through and through. I know Pat Narduzzi and that staff back in 2017, 18, whatever year it was when he was coming out of high school, they were very high on him and, and really were, were, were recruiting him hard. I, I would say, you know, th- that high watermark you reference 2021 BC BC had the 93rd ranked scoring offense in the country. They averaged just 24.7 points per game. So I, I, I think expectations should be checkered a little bit. Um, but, but you know, he is Phil is going to be playing on a, a much better roster. I mean, you know, Pittsburgh has been one of the better ACC programs. I imagine they're more upset than anyone in the ACC about uh, the elimination of divisions <laughs> <laughs> because the Coastal is always right there for the taking for, for anyone who, who could walk and chew gum at the same time. Uh, those are away this year. The schedule isn't too bad, but you do got to go to Notre Dame in South Bend. You get Syracuse in the Bronx, which I'm not saying that's an advantage or disadvantage to anyone. I just I, I don't like the idea of playing a football game at Yankee Stadium. Uh, I think we all remember the Notre Dame-Syracuse uh, game there in 2018 and a number of pinstripe bowls that – just did not look right, did not look like a natural playing surface. And you'd see people, players changing their uh, changing their cleats out and gear on the sidelines. So uh, I, I'm intrigued. I mean, I, they don't have the easiest non-conference schedule either. You know, I mean. Uh, Cincinnati and West Virginia. 
Right. I mean, we're both rivals. I mean, one, one a lot more hated than the other, but those are two strong teams that, you know, are not cupcakes. So you better get that one against Wofford in week one. And, and then you get into ACC play and, uh, you know, it opens a whole can of other problems. So uh, Duke at the end of the year, I mean, this is not, if this is anything like last year's Duke, that's, that's no cupcake. Florida state is, projected by many to win the ACC this year. I don't know if I'll go that far, but you also got Wake Forest, who, uh, despite losing Sam Hartman, is is one of the better programs in the ACC as well. So I don't know what to expect out of Pitt. The same way I don't know what to expect out of NC State, because like you said, Tim, every time I get my hopes high for either one of these programs, they inevitably disappoint. And that's what makes them kind of of fun to watch. Uh, By the way, uh, it's a bit of clarification. Uh, Matt, was right. I was wrong. I had James Madison on the mind. Kurt Signetti is the head coach of JMU. <laughs> Frank Signetti, former BC offense coordinator, now with Pitt. So there's the uh, the recap. I, I didn't even catch. I yeah. honestly didn't even catch uh, you that. Said, time. You said Frank, and I'm like, oh wait, I think I said <laughs> Kurt, which is the James James Madison head coach who still can't go to a bowl game for some. Reason. We, we may have texted about that one yeah. um last year no makes the dumbest it might be the dumbest rule in, in all of in all of sports uh that you move up from the fcs and you know, oh, oh, oh yeah yeah you can't go to a bowl game um yeah i mean look at this stretch though for Pitt though after their bye um louisville who i'm high on and we're gonna hear from matt newmans at the end of this podcast he is also high on with jeff brom there at wake at notre dame florida state syracuse as you alluded to uh, in the Bronx, Boston College on a short week uh, on a Thursday night, and then you finish up uh, at Duke. So, geez, sorry, that's a cut. You short week after playing at Yankee Stadium. Yep, like that's just that's not right. Yeah, short week <laughs> after playing uh, at Yankee Stadium. By the way, I still remember that game. Uh, Dino Babers kicking a field goal with what? Oh like yeah, 30, 30 seconds to go uh, to avoid the shutout at the hands of Notre Dame. Uh- I've been told by people who are on that sideline for Notre Dame, that's the angriest we've ever seen Clark Lee get. <laughs> uh, and Clark Lee, for those who, uh, I don't know him, you know him much better than I do. Doesn't seem like a guy who gets all that fired up. Now the head coach. No, he, he's a, I mean, he's obviously a defense coordinator, but like he's as cerebral a football coach as I think you'll ever meet. Um, going down this list, uh, you know, those are some intriguing ones. I want to get to you know, Oregon State. Uh, we talked to Phil Steele last week, previewing the Pac-12 and, I made a bet this week on Oregon State, which I'll hit on here. Uh, obviously, we'll get to the big boys, but um, just kind of curious fits. Um, Graham Mertz at Florida. I, I mean, you know, we had on uh, Brian Edwards previewing the SEC. He's a big Florida guy, and, I mean, he is as down as, as you could imagine uh, on the yeah. Gators. Chris Doring, uh, former Florida wide receiver, kind of a legendary guy now in the media. He was on uh, my show last week, and he said, look, Long-term future, I'm high on the Gators. This year, eh, not so much. I mean, look, if Graham Mertz can channel his five-touchdown performance from a million years ago, the infamous game against Illinois, uh, what was that, 2020? Uh, then his first ever game. Yeah, yeah, first ever game, then that's great. But look, uh, I had the pleasure of interviewing Graham Mertz after they won the Las Vegas Bowl. Nice guy. Yeah. Uh, so uh, thank you for that interview, Graham. <laughs> but I don't I don't get this fit. Like, it... It doesn't make a lot of sense to me, and and I don't know if you have a little more insight on it, Matt, but it, it, it did feel like a bit of desperation where they tried to get someone else. I had heard rumors, Michael Pratt, and who who else uh, they might have tried to get. They got Jack Miller from Ohio State. I don't think he's going to start, but, I mean, you get someone who's been in that quarterback room at Ohio State. I mean, and he started the bowl game. Right, right. I mean, it, it, that was in Vegas too, right? Yeah, oh, God. Or, uh, the, that, the was Florida. A, that was a whooping. Oh. <laughs> Ooh, buddy, that was ugly. 
everyone that was ugly. Everyone has said the same things you just said. Like everyone's very, very down on Florida this year. I think opening that Thursday night in, in Utah could get pretty ugly, especially, you know, Utah blew that game last year. I mean, yep. that was the first game of the Billy Napier era, and I'm pretty sure Anthony Richardson became the fourth pick in the draft off that game and that game alone because he looked like the second coming of Cam Newton. And, and that was that uh, as far as Florida's high point of t- 2022. I'm, I'm not very high on this program right now. You do hope that for a guy like Graham Mertz, you know, the change of scenery does him well and maybe he can begin to resemble that guy who was the greatest quarterback recruit statistically in, in Wisconsin history and who looked every bit the part uh, during his debut. I think he had one incomplete pass and it was a drop uh, against Lovey Smith's Illinois team. Uh, the great irony in there, I mean, you know, Paul Chris obviously is no longer the Wisconsin head coach, but you know, much of what did Paul Christen at Wisconsin was, was, you know, the lack of high level recruiting. And if you look at the Paul Chris there at Wisconsin, they made the Rose Bowl, you know, the, the year before Graham Mertz got there. Jack Cohn gets hurt. He goes in our name, ends up doing really well for himself there. And, you know, Paul Chris finally, I don't want to say gives in, but, you know, gets one of those blue chip quarterback prospects that always seems to evade Wisconsin. And that was the beginning of the end for him. You know, not, not to pin Paul Chris firing on Graham Mertz, but it, it is ironic that, you know, those two kind of coincided with each other. But, you know, what's crazy about Graham Mertz is everyone loved this guy out of high school and obviously loved him you know, early on in his college career. And I, I talked to someone recently who was on that 2019 LSU staff that is arguably the greatest team in, in modern Ever. college football history. And you know what they said to me, Tim? They said the number one guy on our board who we wanted to succeed Joe Burrow from the 2020 class was Graham Mertz. And I don't think that was a unique opinion at that time. That's how high people were on Graham Mertz coming out of high school. And so, you know, I'm trying to think of a relevant example. I'm sure there are. Like, Kenny Pickett's the one who always comes to mind, although he didn't transfer. He was a guy who was, like, pretty good, got that fifth COVID year and turned into a Heisman finalist in in first-round draft pick. I don't know if there are too many blueprints in this era for Graham Mertz to follow. There's got to be some, though, right, with with the way – the transfer portals become, there's got to be some examples of a few guys who just need a fresh start somewhere else. And we're able to put it all together. And I would put DJ Uyangale in the same category at Oregon state after kind of flailing at the end at Clemson. Um, but there are going to be examples of that eventually just because half the power five starting quarterbacks started their career elsewhere and not all of them are, are going to stink, right? <laughs> so half the teams are going to win their games on Saturdays. And these guys are going to be the reason why for it. And, and you hope for Graham Mertz's sake and Florida's sake, it can be him. But, uh, you know, it, it, it doesn't look like the most promising season in Gainesville right now. Yeah, no, uh, I, I would, you know, it's five and a half on the win total. Uh, certainly Oof. would be a, would it be an under look for there for me uh, on Florida, a team that, you know, we talked about Pitt and NC State um, as teams that always seem to overachieve uh, unless they have high expectations and maybe they'll <laughs> underachieve. And that can kind of, be uh, the definition of Kentucky football because I feel mm-hmm. like last year they had expectations and for the most part were pretty disappointing when you've got a what was thought to be a first round pick ultimately Levis drops to the second round uh, but they had some suspensions early on in the season uh, but you know at the end of the day you know they go seven and six they lose their bowl game and and what was a, a game that 
you know, uh, if you watched it, God bless you. Uh, the Music City Bowl <laughs> against Iowa. Uh, but they went, I, th- th- that went under. Remember the over under was like in the twenties oh, or something, yeah. right? And still went under. Yeah, it still like, went with under. with defensive touchdowns. It still went under. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so Kentucky intrigues me um, because their schedule. They, they of course, you know, they have Georgia, who's in the SEC East. Uh, they get them on the road, and honestly, I'm fine with that. I'm like, you know what? If you're gonna lose, just yeah, just go right. to go to Georgia, get smoked. Let's have Florida come uh, to right. Lexington. I actually like situationally, uh, and this was mentioned during the SEC pod. They get Tennessee. Kentucky's coming off a bye, and Tennessee's coming off the Alabama game. They get Alabama at home. Alabama is coming off of the LSU game. So situationally, they've got some intriguing spots. The non-con is you know cake. Uh, uh, well, at least the the first three. They play Louisville to close out the year, which I don't think will be cake. And then they get Devin Leary. Um, and I know, you know, he's a guy that dealt with injuries. We've talked about NC State. Uh, what have you heard about Devin Leary to Kentucky? Is he fully healthy? Uh, they get Liam Cohen back, which is a, you know, a big right. coup, right? He was the offensive coordinator in 21 when they won 10 games. He went to the Rams. That didn't work out. He's back in Lexington now. So they got a win total at six and a half. I kind of like buying low on on Mark Stoops because he is he is over exceeded anyone's wildest imaginations down there in uh, in Lexington. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I think Andy Cohen's ultimately the excuse me, Andy Cohen. Jeez, Bravo, Liam Cohen. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, I, I texted my wife right as I said that about something else, and that's probably why someone's I had Andy watching. Cohen on the uh, someone's <laughs> watching uh, the the Vanderpump, huh? <laughs> not me, not me, but someone in this house is. Um, Liam Cohen, I think, is an X factor here. Uh, my former colleague Andy Staples, who you had on your recent show recently, yes. has always said uh, Kentucky football is the best job of the country, or Mark Stoops has the best job of the country, and I completely follow that logic. Right? I mean, the expectations are low. He's already shattered them. Um, he's got lifetime job security. You know, while he's been a candidate for bigger jobs, you're still getting paid as well as most people in the country to be the head coach at Kentucky. Um, you know, you could play the disrespect card when John Calipari says, I hope they go to bowl games every year. Um, and you've, you've have a proven track record of, of doing more with less of, of putting a lot of guys into the NFL. Uh, I, I'm excited to see what happens with this program this year. Again, I think having Cohen back is very valuable and Devin Leary, another guy, look, <laughs> Not to go back to the, the Dave Doran conversation, but Dave Doran went on every every broadcast. He was a Heisman Trophy candidate last year. I, I have a hat 10 feet from me <laughs> that says D. Larry delivers as part of his Heisman Heisman um, campaign. And look, he, the guy threw 35 touchdowns against just five interceptions in 2021 for NC State. Like he, he was really, really good. Now, I, I don't think he played all that well last year, even before he got hurt. Uh I believe him to be fully healthy, but I haven't heard that from anyone inside the program. So I, I, I suppose that's a question mark, but I think that's another example of a guy who could definitely benefit from a fresh start. And look, Kentucky's done this before, right? Will Levis, uh, you know, I, I think this still makes Penn state fans salty despite the fact they just won the Rose bowl, but you know, Will Levis was never more than the change of pace quarterback to Sean Clifford at Penn state. And he knew he had more to offer and he found the perfect landing spot in Kentucky. And he played himself into a guy who, you know, he wasn't by definition a first round pick, but was a guy who was definitely in that conversation up until draft day. And so I wonder if Devin Leary can, can, you know, 
I, the hat I got is, is red and gray. I, I don't know if they're going to be sending out them in, in blue and white, but may, may, maybe if he, he plays his way back into that conversation this year, they can make new hats for him in Lexington. But that, that, that's a program that, that I think, like the guys you just mentioned, all blue collar, you know, Rust Belt guys, right? Like every time you count them out, every time you count Kentucky out, uh, they tend to overachieve. And they do have, I, I'm completely with you. Like, you're going to lose a Georgia game no matter what, right? Like, all right, let's just take that yeah, out. Go lose it on the road. And, you're and fine. let's get Tennessee at home and maybe we get them, you know, in the post Hendon Hooker era this year. I don't know. They got a couple, you know, advantageous situational spots. And yeah, the non conference, I mean, Ball State's fine. Like, that's a team they should be. Akron, I think, is going to be one of the more improved teams in the country, but still a MAC team you're, you're going to beat. Um, I, I, I would go over six and a half. Yeah. I mean, this is a program that I think kind of lives in that seven to eight win range, other than when they're predicted to be, in which case they go six and six. All right, we'll uh, we'll, we'll try to. I always uh, keep people so long, so we'll 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 try to go a little speed round here because obviously there's 23 of these guys and we can't hit them all. Um, but you know, you've covered the Big Ten, you've covered Notre Dame, so I want to leave Sam Hartman, Buckner, and even maybe a little mention of Pine here for the end. Um, Wisconsin, another program. Uh, it's a change there. Uh, you know, Luke Fickle comes in. They go get Phil Longo from North Carolina. And uh, they're a team that we'll hear Matt Humans talk about Wisconsin here uh, in just a little bit. He's got to play on their win total. They go out and they get Tanner Mordecai from SMU. So uh, the majority of the guys that I mentioned outside of Shador Sanders, who, of course, is Dion's son and had no business being at Jackson State based on his talent level. Um, you know, Tanner Mordecai is really the only group of five guy here uh, in this in this uh, group that I mentioned that has transferred to a P5. But his, his numbers were, were fantastic down there at SMU. They hit the portal hard. They still have Braylon Allen. Um, what have you heard about Mordecai and, and his kind of skill set going into a, a unique era, I will say, up in, a, up in Wisconsin, a, a changing of the guard offensively? Definitely unique, Tim. Definitely unique. I mean, the feedback so far has been great. Everything I've heard, they're very excited to see what this guy can do. Um, he's answered the bell behind the scenes and, and has done everything that that they are looking for when they went into the portal and got him. Uh, you know, F Phil Longo has a very unique offense, and he's had kind of a meteoric rise throughout his career, right? And uh, the question is, it's a question I have as I stare outside a, a rainy window on a summer day in Chicago. Like, does that? Temple offense work in November. And I know the, 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 the kind of standard Wisconsin manual uh, fan talkback says, well, look how good their rushing totals are every year, how good North Carolina's rushing totals were every year. And that's completely true. I, I also think it's a completely different style of play th th than what they're going to be facing in, in the Big Ten and, and what Wisconsin normally ran in the Big Ten before Phil Longo got there. I also wonder, you know, as a defensive head coach, defensive-minded head coach, Luke Fickle, you know, does complimentary football get lost in here? Because that was always the, the complaint about North Carolina was their offense is almost too quick for their own good. And, and the defense was always going to be playing from behind, metaphor, you know, theoretically speaking. And, and I, ju I just think it's such a different uh, stylistic change from, from not just the Paul Christ era, but really Wisconsin football as we know it ever since Barry Alvarez took over there, right? I mean – it was a very reliable brand. You knew what you were getting out of them. More often than not, you get you know a Heisman type running back um, if the record w w was good enough, and you were going to get a really good defense. 
uh, more often than not made up of three-star guys or walk-ons who had chips on their shoulders and, and were able to punch above their weight. I, I think that mentality will still exist within that program, especially when you look at Luke Fickle's personal life, his career path. You know, he was a, he was a former wrestler. He, he's got that Big Ten DNA in him. Um, I, I, I just wonder how quick, yeah, as a program, they can adapt to this whole kind of stylistic change. But they are very excited about about Tanner Mordecai. And, uh, you know, that place is just two and a half hours for me. I love Madison. I think it's one of the best uh, college towns in the country. Uh, the more trips I can take there, the better they are. Uh, selfishly, the happier I am. Well, maybe you can head there in October uh, and see Iowa visit uh, Wisconsin, <laughs> who also has a changing of the guard at quarterback. And uh, my God, uh, last year was uh, was not pretty. And if you watch the NFL draft and you saw Sam Laporta go in the second round ahead of Michael Mayer, which was surprising, at least to me, you'd say, huh? How? Wait, you have a, a second round talent at tight end and this offense, you know, was that, that, that's Iowa every other year, right? I like I had, to, I had to Google where George Kittle went to college when I saw him early on at the Niners. I'm like, wait, oh, yeah. <laughs> so you got Iowa. They lose Jack Campbell, too. He was a first round pick. He goes to uh, the Green Bay Packers and mentioned Sam Laporta. But Cade McNamara comes in and look, say what you will about Cade McNamara. Um he got a team to the playoff, man. And yeah. he kind of did everything right, um, you know, throughout his Michigan career. And, and they wanted to go with the high upside guy after the injury. So, you know, another uh, program that you'd love to certainly see more. And there's plenty of jokes about Brian Ferentz as the offensive coordinator, et cetera. But um, I actually think that's a good fit for the Hawkeyes. Cade McNamara coming in. He's, he's definitely an upgrade at the quarterback position. He's definitely an upgrade. I think he's a guy who, you know, has been forgotten a little bit in the J.J. McCarthy hype. Not that J.J. McCarthy didn't deserve it, but yeah, I mean, he's a playoff quarterback. I mean, how many people playing college football in 2023 will have that on their resume? I think it's a good fit because I think that stylistically, Iowa is, is more similar than not to Michigan, albeit with, with, with lesser talent on that roster. Um, but let's not be around the bush here. I mean, the, the drive to, was it 325 or whatever it is with Brian Ferentz, the offensive coordinator, or 300? Yeah. He's got averaged more than 25 points per game, I believe it is, to, to essentially, I don't know if it's keep his job or, uh, or no, it is to keep his job. Yeah, for trails to meet either incentive, his contract will officially terminate on June, 20, June 30, 2024. Okay. Um, <laughs> I, I'm sorry. Like, I, I have a lot of respect for the Iowa program, for Kirk Ferentz, for Brian the fact that that contract's put in and that it's your dad putting that contract in, I mean, Tim, that's like me or you promising our kids ice cream if they, you know, eat all their vegetables, <laughs> you know, appropriately tonight for dinner. It just, it just reeks of like, you know, just tabloid fodder or, or Twitter fodder. You know, it, it, it's pretty funny. I, I do think they could and probably should reach it. Um, I don't think they did last year's quarterbacks, particularly Spencer Petras, any favors by trotting him out there every single game to, to, essentially get his brains beaten in and then go up there and answer for why everyone else on offense wasn't exactly performing up to par. Uh, but, you know, I, I, Iowa, yeah, I'm still mad at them because I, I had them, what was it last year? Seven and a half. What was the record? Seven and five, They went right? seven and five in the regular season, yeah. so you okay. would have lost so your bet I, on the young. Yeah. I, I, had over, I had over seven and a half, and I was ready to basically burn that ticket after they lost Iowa State because they never lose Iowa State. And then, um, and then they just – you know, they went on one of those padded in Iowa runs where you're beating Wisconsin despite getting outgained and you're doing this, you're beating Minnesota despite playing terrible outside, 
the first quarter when Sam Laporta had 80 something yards receiving. And so I, I'm like, wait, we're back, baby. All you got to do is beat the Nebraska team with the interim coach. And they blew that. So I was just like, that's Iowa football in a nutshell. Like I always sympathize with their fans because to be forced to watch that every week has got to be nauseating in some ways. And while I'm not a fan, I, I was a little bit invested in them toward the end there. And in true Iowa fashion, they, they found a new and, and different way to, to let uh, outsiders like me down. But um, last year, the Big Ten West, they're certainly going to benefit from that. Uh, Northwestern is a constant thorn in their side, even during bad years. That game's actually at Wrigley Field this year, which will make it a little bit interesting. I, I can, you know, the beauty of me, I live in Wrigley. So um, if that game's 3-3 in the fourth quarter, I can walk home. <laughs> you know, what, what's the penalty for me there, right? Um, but that, that the drive to 325 or whatever the point is, and I'm ashamed of myself for forgetting it because I was very excited when they announced that, um, will, will be quite interesting. All right, one more team before we get to the Notre Dame guys, Matt, and I'll let you run. We've gone long as expected. Uh, you mentioned it. Uh, DJ Uyunglele, he goes to Oregon State. Um, and we talked about it last week with Phil Steele. He said, play over eight wins. I agreed with that. I have played over eight wins for Oregon State. You know, they're becoming kind of a chic team now. Um, you know, because of last year, they had nine wins. They finished top 15. Uh, they beat the Brains in a Florida, as we mentioned, in the Las Vegas Bowl. Uh, they bring back a lot of talent. However, uh, the big loss for me on the defensive side of the ball, they lost Omar Spates to LSU, who was just a stud linebacker. So that's a bit of a loss there. But, you know, I mentioned, you know, scheduling uh, is always, you know, works in your advantage to get games at home. They have no USC this year. UCLA, Utah, and Washington all go to Corvallis, which will be actually uh, fully capacitated this year as opposed <laughs> to half the stadium. But, you know, DJ, uh, you've, you know, you've covered the ACC for a long time. What went wrong at the end of his tenure there at Clemson? Because, I mean, the peak of DJ was his second game ever. Right. He steps in for Trevor Lawrence with, you know, who had COVID uh, in an epic game at, in South Bend. He throws for 450 or whatever it was. And then it was, it felt like it was kind of down after that. So I, I love the fit for him there. Um, you know, I, I'm a, you know, I love just everything that, that Oregon state has, has done over the years. And, um, I just I think that spot for him going in with Jonathan Smith as his head coach, great running backs. Uh, I just I, I like the fit there for for DJ. Uh, have you heard much about how things have been going up there in Corvallis? And and do you ex- assume that you know it's his job because last year's starter Goldbranson is actually still on the roster as of now? Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. I, they were six and a half last year, and I, yeah. that was you know, as, as mad as I was about Iowa. I was very excited, especially <laughs> when they completed that Hail Mary at Stanford midseason to all but clinch that ticket for me. Um, I, I like the potential there, I do, because they had a great year last year, and they did it with, frankly, subpar quarterback play. And they've got a coach in Jonathan Smith who played quarterback at that position. I think it's one of the more underrated coaches in the country. I mean, just an incredible way to finish the year last year, right, with, with that crazy comeback against rival Oregon and then to, to really stop Florida in a bowl game was very important for these guys. So they're trending in the right direction. I think they're a bit of a cheeky pick. Like th- that over eight scares me a little bit. I'm not saying they won't get it, but you know, there are teams like this every year that make one addition or bring back you know, a star quarterback and, and get overhyped. So I, I think they could be a trappy pick in that regard, but look, DJ Lake. Ui Angale, he can play football, as we know, right? Like, he obviously set an incredibly high bar for himself with that Notre Dame performance. Statistically, he was a pretty darn good quarterback even last year. I, I think initially 
um, in 2021, that was probably the worst Clemson team and roster and, you know, the one that was hit worse by injuries as any probably since they started that run of ACC titles back in 2015. Uh, so I think he was a little bit of a victim of that. I thought he played good but not great up until that what was it the Syracuse game last year when Kay Klubnik came in and, and kind of bailed him out. But, you know, even when he struggled a little bit last year during the good times, I would talk to people around that program and they'd say, look, we love Kay Klubnik. He's a big recruit, but like, this isn't Trevor Lawrence. We're sitting here. It's not like there's one Trevor Lawrence and um, you know, putting him in, isn't going to fix the problems we have with this offense right now. And we saw that, right? I mean, they, they, they yanked him kind of out of desperation at Notre Dame and the first pass clubbing through was a pick six, I believe. Uh, so, so that didn't really work out, nor did starting him in the bowl game uh, against Tennessee, bringing in Garrett Riley, uh, I think is, is a message as clear as any nationally that, Hey, you know, Clemson knew these last two years were not up to par on offense and, and we needed to make change. And we're, we're willing to cut one of our own, Brandon Streeter, in order to do that. Where that leaves DJ Uyangale, you know, he, he had a lot going on off the field from my understanding early on during his Clemson career. I hope for his sake that, you know, some of those situations have gotten cleared up. And, you know, he's going to be closer to home. He's going to be not too far from his brother, who I mentioned earlier, who, who's a big-time recruit, who's at Oregon now. Uh, you know, I, I think he will be a starter. He's also uh, was, uh, I believe, drafted by the Dodgers yes. yesterday. Yes. Is that right? Yeah. I know he was drafted. I don't know by who. Someone tweeted me. It was like, uh, does this hurt our win total? I'm like, I don't think he's going to go pro in baseball. But uh, yeah, it was yeah, like we'll when Kyler, Kyler Milley's like, oh, that Oklahoma quarterback who's going to succeed Baker Mayfield. He, he might be playing baseball. Yeah. Well, he we got, all thought he, he was got millions. <laughs> yeah, you know, ex- exactly. He was, he was making more than, than Lincoln Riley uh, that year. Uh, it was the Dodgers. Yeah. Good for him. Um, I think he'll still be at Oregon State. I think he'll be the starting quarterback. And I do think that's a pretty favorable schedule i do you know san jose state in week one on the road is a very tricky game new uh, um, also you know san jose state opening up a you know they they also it's the battle of stadium renovations because their stadium <laughs> had been renovated for years i don't think it's it's on a sunday yeah it's a on sunday cbs, CBS yeah three thirty eastern so get hey, that's a great showcase for san, san jose state Absolutely. good on them for forgetting that chevin cordero um, back there for the uh for San Jose State, but they lost a lot of. I, I did their bowl game out in Idaho, and and they lost a lot of talent. They lost a a pro uh, Mountain West Player of the Year, Defensive Player of the Year. So uh, I don't expect much from San Jose State uh, this year. Even though Chevin Cordero, you know, you might remember him from his Hawaii days. He's back for year two there uh, with the uh, with San Jose State. Um, all right, uh, three Notre Dame guys, and we'll let you get out of here. Uh, and we don't have to belabor the point on this one. Uh, <laughs> Drew Pine, uh, who Look, God bless him. Uh, bless his heart, as uh, you know, some people would say. Uh, he, he did a pretty good job at Notre Dame last year. He drove me crazy, but he did a pretty good job for what he was kind of thrown into, right? He had some nice moments, but he had some terrible moments as well. And I think Tommy Reese, um, in my opinion, a big reason he's at Alabama is because of what he was able to do with Drew Pine, who I think should be starting at a Mac school. Uh, I guess he's going to be the starter at Arizona State. Um, there's no clear other option. I, I don't see this working out all that well. I'm sure there's going to be clamoring for, you know, Jaden Rashada, who was that, you know, highly touted recruit who was right. committed to Florida and NIL and all that stuff. And now he's at Arizona state. I like the hire of Kenny Dillingham, but you know, you saw Drew Pine, you know, how he's his makeup. He believes in himself. That's for damn sure. Um, but I, I don't see this going all that well in Tempe, especially with a win total of five. And, you know, note this Arizona state 
they don't get to play Stanford. That sucks for them. <laughs> you you miss out on two teams. The two teams, Arizona State. Well, they lost to them last year. Yeah, right? that's true. Uh, for the Hail Mary that got called back yeah, or whatever it was. They miss out on Arizona. Uh, they miss out on Oregon State, who we were just talking about, uh, and Stanford. So, so how do the Sun Devils uh, fare this year with Drew Pine? Does Drew Pine, here's my question to you, Matt. Does Drew Pine start the whole year uh, assuming there's no injury? I don't know because, you know, they brought in Jaden Rashada and, you know, the first time Pine or whoever starts makes a bad throw, the fans are going to want the guy who Florida boosters thought was worth $13 million a year. I know that's absurd logic, but that's the reality of the situation we live in right now. Look, they they also, they don't have the easiest non-conference schedule either. After opening with Southern Utah, um, playing both Oklahoma State and Fresno State, both at home, not very easy before opening conference play with USC. I mean, I, I thought Pine, you know, did a good job of making a lot out of a little, so to speak, last year, especially under those circumstances. Um, I, I, he's a very smart player. He's a very tough player. Um, and I, I, from my understanding, I think he really fell in love with the vision that, that Kenny Dillingham has for both this program, which is his alma mater, and quarterbacks in general. I mean, here, here's a great example for you. And I, I alluded to this when we were talking about Graham Mertz. I said, are there any examples of, of guys who really just benefited from a change of scenery? Bo Nix last year mm-hmm. under Kenny Dillingham. Um, and that was Kenny Dillingham's first year really calling the plays, if I'm not mistaken, as well. I know he was the OC in title at Florida State, but Mike Norvell was the main guy in charge there. Kenny Dillingham had full control of the offense um, at Oregon. They were a team that, you know, if not for a funny bounce of the ball here or there, could have been in the playoff, uh, you know, before those two losses to, to Washington and Oregon State late in the season. So um, I'm excited to see what Kenny, Kenny Dillingham can do. I'm sure you've said it. I know I've said it. Um, Arizona State has long been referred to as a sleeping giant uh, because of the amount of talent in that state. I think having a local there who can tap into that and who isn't looking at this as a, as a, you know, a, a, a job, an in-between job before he hops somewhere else is very, very important. Um, and so far it seems to be working out well, at least behind the scenes. We'll see. I mean, it's a huge roster makeover. Uh, which gives me cause for concern with, with whoever's throwing the ball back there. They also added um, Jacob Canaver from, from, from BYU, who's a former top 500 prospect as well. So it, it's a crowded quarterback room. I, I trust Kenny Dillingham to figure out the best way to manage that. Um, but I do wonder about just, you know, the overall depth there right now with that schedule with a completely different coaching staff. All right. The two highest ranked teams that have a power five transfer Potentially starting, because I don't know if Tyler Buckner is a lock to start for Alabama, is Alabama. Tyler Buckner comes from Notre Dame. Tommy Reese also now the offensive coordinator. And then Sam Hartman comes from Wake. He is absolutely the starter there for Notre Dame. Um, let's start with the Irish first. Um, you know, win total at nine, eight and a half, depending on where you looked, has actually been played to the under a decent amount. Um, you know, friend of the pod and friend of the network, Brad Powers, played under nine wins on Notre Dame. Um, what have you heard about Sam Hartman um, and, and his indoctrination there in South Bend? Obviously it was uh, quite the, the bumpy road. He commits a couple weeks later, Tommy Reese is scooped away. Then they go out and they get Andy Ludwig. Oh wait, he's not coming. We're going to go and stay in house with Jared Parker, who has really no uh, play calling experience. Gino Gadotti, Gadotti, is that right? Good, good dealy, good, I think uh, the offensive, <laughs> the quarterbacks coach who was at Wisconsin uh, and at Cincinnati, he comes to Notre Dame, which I think was a good hire uh, for the Irish. But 
you know, what have you heard about Sam Hartman and his time there in South Bend so far? And what are your expectations, Matt, of probably the biggest and most high profile uh, grad transfer or power five to power five quarterback transfer this year? Yeah, Tim, not to give you an Irish fans PTSD, but you know, I was flipping through the channels the other night and it was the end of Rudy and you, you got, especially the end, you, you got to stick with it and, and watch it. So I did, like I have a hundred times before. And uh, you see the last names on the back of the jerseys and, and having, you know, covered the program and watched that movie a lot. Uh, you know, you see a Valdeserra, you see different names that you know are affiliated with the university as kind of like a thank you um, for, 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 for helping us, you know, film on your campus. And one of the names on the backs of the jersey carrying Rudy off was Ludwig. And I immediately thought, why does that sound familiar? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There was a time where they trotted him out as their new OC, essentially, without actually hiring him as their new OC. Uh, so, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't in, the smoothest offseason. In their defense, Matt, you take per, uh, potential uh, hirings. Because, like, when I, you know, get wooed for other jobs, I, I go out in public and go on video boards and get cheered by uh, right. by fans. Because that's what happened with Andy Ludwig. But uh, did, did, I digress. Did you, what, did you see what he said? No. I, I think it's during the first uh, – oh, where is it? I'm going to try. You know, he got interviewed at the beginning of spring practice, Utah, and he got asked about it. And it was something, it was such a, it was such a a deflating quote. It was like, I went out there, I had a great time, but it is what it is. I'm here (laughs) or something. I'm paraphrasing here, but it was like, okay, get excited, Utah fans. He really wants to be there right now. Um, Definitely, uh, definitely a a strange chapter in in Notre Dame's offseason. But to your point, Sam Hartman, I think, is one of the better quarterbacks really in the country, definitely one of the more proven ones. I mean, he's his career nut record and numbers speak for themselves. He's pretty much second behind Phillip Rivers in every major statistical career category when it comes to ACC passing numbers. Um, I think this guy has a chance to be the best quarterback they've had in South Bend since Brady Quinn. I really do. He's definitely the biggest name and the most accomplished guy to walk through those doors since Brady Quinn. Uh, and I, I think doing it behind offensive line that's going to be anchored by two potential first round tackles and has some really talented running backs behind him as well. Makes this a very exciting time for Notre Dame's offense, even without Tommy Reese. I just think the talent there is, is at a level collectively that it hasn't been at in quite some time. I I have my concerns about the defense, particularly the defensive line. And, you know, I, I need to see if Marcus Freeman has taken that next step as a head coach um, Mm -hmm. in year two, he really learned on the job last year. I mean, I I think anyone who follows the sport looks at the Notre Dame team, looks at the schedule and says nine and three sounds realistic, right? You're going to lose or or probably lose to uh, Ohio state, USC and Clemson. Well, maybe, but as we saw last year, you know, they played up and down to their competition. They, Beat the tar out of a really good Clemson team, at least up until that point, what was a really good Clemson team. They also lost at home to Marshall and to Stanford. And Stanford was one of the worst teams in the country last year. So can you count on Notre Dame? And I know they don't want to hear this, but you know, Brian Kelly was really, really good about not overlooking opponents. And uh, you know, one of the great lines I ever heard uh, about coaching, football coaching in general, is the best coaches have the capacity for boredom. And I think things may have been a little bit boring from the outside looking in with Brian Kelly, but you know what? There was there was a method to that madness because they won however many straight games it was against unranked opponents when they were favored uh, against ACC opponents not named Clemson. You name it. And that kind of goes out the window when you have a, a young first-time head coach. So you hope for Notre Dame's sake you eliminated those blind spots and you're not going to get tripped up at Duke the week after you play Ohio State or against any other, you know, NC State or Pitt or any of the other like capable, but not that great 
power five opponents you're playing this year. And, and you hope you, you eliminated those blind spots while also keeping that edge to you where you can swing above your way to maybe knock off a USC at home or maybe knock off Clemson on the road in November when, when that could be a, you know, future playoff play-in game um, with those two teams that late in the season. I, I don't know. I think that part remains to be seen, uh, but there are definitely some new faces on that staff, and it's a very talented offense that's going to have high expectations. Yeah, there's no doubt. They lost Logan Diggs to the portal, um, you know, and I don't want to go too in-depth on the Irish because this is more of a, a quarterback, you know, uh, discussion we're doing here, and I want to get to Bama to close it out with you here, uh, Matt. But, um, you know, the schedule is this, Navy in Ireland, week zero, first game of the college football season. Uh, a lot of folks already taking Navy in the points, um, so we'll see. Uh, Tennessee State, uh, Labor Day weekend, the first ever FCS opponent at NC State. We talked about them, Brendan Armstrong. It's a noon kick. I think that's beneficial for the Irish, in my opinion. Central Michigan, then the big boy, Ohio State. You're at Duke, at Louisville. I think one of those games could be really tricky. Uh, you got Pitt off a of bye. Um, you know, after USC. So, yeah, I mean, look, if it's at nine, the juice is pretty heavy now on the under. Uh, I'm not going to bet it, but, you know, if, if forced to play, and, you know, when I write up the, the, the guide here for Notre Dame here in the coming weeks, Matt, I, I'm going to say you got to play under uh, because, you know, Marcus Freeman hasn't proven yet that he can avoid uh, or he can win all the games he's supposed to win. Right now, Notre Dame is a favorite in nine games, uh, including USC, or excuse me, favorite in 10 games, Matt. Wow. Uh, USC, I my hunch will be they will be a dog when that game comes around, but the look-ahead line is Notre Dame minus one. Um, wow. But there's going to be some toss-ups, man, at Louisville, at Duke. Uh, you know, Pittsburgh's always a pain in the ass. and um, So, yeah, we'll see. Uh, at NC State, I think NC State takes a little bit of a step back, but, you know, great offensive line. I saw a stat uh, basically – uh, I'm just going to paraphrase it, Matt. And it's, you know, everyone talks about the slow mesh, right? Uh, down that, that, that they ran at Wake Forest. Essentially, when Sam Hartman was able to play from a, a clean pocket, which you would think he should be able to do a lot this year with two first round picks right. at both tackle. Um, he's elite. He's, he, I think he was like the second best passer rating outside of Bryce Young. So you know, I'm excited to see what Sam Hartman is, but there's certainly pessimism there uh, for me, especially up front on the defensive line. Just not a not a lot of meat there. Uh, not a lot of big boys on the on the defensive line, Matt. No, they're going to need the Riley Mills of the world to, to really take a, a major leap. And I think he's a good player, but they, they've lacked the Foskies um, and, and some of the you know, the Clig Kareem's, Dalen Hayes is some of the the you know not necessarily first round picks at defensive line, but but you know future NFL players at defensive line. Um, the, 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 I, I have my concerns about them up front. I mean, just, just like you, I think there's some talent there. I, I think they probably should have added a little bit more up front because uh, I don't know. We, we haven't seen really Notre Dame, right? Maybe at, maybe in 2014 where like this was a program where they're going to try to outscore everyone. And I don't know if they're at that point. We'll see early on whether they need to play that way. Um but, but it's definitely different. It's just so hard to predict. I mean, I remember doing a uh, mid-season pod with our friend Pete Sampson last year. And, you know, we were projecting their final record at the midway point. And keep in mind, this was, you know, post-martial loss. And I think I said seven and five, Pete said nine and three. And, of course, they went eight and four. Like, we, we didn't think they'd lose to Stanford, right? Um, and then they lost to Stanford. Us, and then people were right. like, well, they're not going to make a bowl game now. You exactly, know? right? And, then, and I remember you came on our pod. And you had a look-ahead line for them being favored against Clemson. And this was – 
probably around that Stanford loss. And I'm thinking it was the week before what? it was uh week before yeah, okay. they, they had, you had me on before the BYU game, which they look great. And they, they beat BYU convincingly, even though the score wasn't necessarily indicative, they dominated that game against right. a then ranked BYU team. And yeah, that last year was a roller coaster ride. Cause Stanford was one of the ugliest games, you know, I, I've seen in some time. Definitely, definitely, and, and you, you better hope it's not a roller coaster ride. I mean, the only roller, roller coaster ride you want, if you're a Notre Dame fan, is if it's a, a shootout against Ohio State, 42-35, and it's going back and forth. You don't want, all right, we 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 just played well against Ohio State, but lost, and now we're going to lose to Duke. Like, uh, you, you need to get those kinks out of your system, and and hopefully for Notre Dame's sake, they, they move past that after last year. All right, we'll wrap on this because I kept you so long here, Matt. Alabama, who's going to be the starting quarterback at Alabama? Uh, I had your former colleague, uh, Andy Staples, on on the show yesterday, and I said, you know, are we at the point where we're maybe undervaluing Alabama? Uh, you know, their win totals at 10. They haven't had a season of nine wins since 2010 uh, in the regular season, that is. They won their bowl game that year. Um, you know, last year they lost twice, though, lost two close games. But you could say they could have lost more games if they didn't have Bryce Young. They could have lost to Texas, right. could have lost to Texas A&M. So, you know, you could really go both ways with it. Uh, Tommy Reese goes in as the OC. You certainly know Tommy Reese well. Uh, and then they go out to the transfer portal when Jalen Milrow and, and Ty Simpson didn't really light it up in the spring game. And they bring in Tyler Buckner, who the highs are pretty good. Look at the South Carolina game. The lows are pretty bad. Look at the South Carolina game. So, <laughs> you know, it's, uh, you know I, what do you make of, uh, of the Alabama quarterback situation? Yeah, you know, I, I watched the, the clip you you uh, you guys teased with Andy, and I, I'm completely with you. I mean, I never thought I'd see the day where you can buy low on Alabama, but I think now's the perfect time to do that. I, I had the same concerns that Andy does in the sense of I don't know if they have a pair of elite receivers like they did two years ago when, when they almost won the national championship against Georgia and probably would have if both John Mechie and Jamison Williams didn't get hurt. Um, one in that game and the other a couple weeks earlier. And obviously in 2020, it was just an all-star cast of, of future first round picks that Mac Jones was able to throw to. I don't know if they have that kind of skill set, but they got a really good offensive line. Uh, they have fresh blood at OC, who, who I think is very excited to work with the talent there. And I, I don't think you go out and get another quarterback unless your goal is for him to start. And, and you bring up an interesting point with Tyler Buckner. You know, the highs and lows were experienced throughout that uh, what was it the Gator Bowl? I think against yeah. South Carolina, he, he ended up winning MVP of that game, which I, I had my uh, I had my issues with. But but I, I was glad, you know, at the end of a year that was, you know, I wouldn't go as far to say disappointing, but certainly wasn't one that Notre Dame fans had in mind. I was glad that under those circumstances. Tyler Buckner, who we didn't think we'd ever see, you know, in Irish uniform before 2023, was healthy enough to play and was healthy enough and confident enough, or the staff was confident enough in him that they didn't force him to play with one arm tied behind his back, right? They let him try some things. Again, a lot of it backfired in real time, but frankly, mid-tier bowl games like that one are the perfect time to try new things. Even, you know, that'll be the Tommy Reese and Alabama's benefit this year more than it'll be Notre Dame's. But um, I, I was glad they let him, you know, let it loose, so to speak. He ran the ball. He threw the ball a lot. He took some big hits. Um, I, I've never, and people at Notre Dame I've talked to have never doubted this guy's ability. Uh, the unfortunate situation is he has not been able to string a whole lot of healthy months together. 
Uh, he missed a year in high school with injury. He missed another year in high school that wasn't because of injury, but because of COVID uh, when, when California didn't have a, a high school football season. He missed the spring game in 2022 because he, I think he tripped down a, a set of stairs walking out of class. Uh, he ends up being lost for most of last season with a shoulder injury suffered in week two. If he's healthy, I, I think he's the guy, plain and simple. He's got, he speaks the same language as, the court, as, as his coach. Tommy Reese and this guy have a relationship dating back, shoot, I mean, when he committed, he committed early too. He committed as like a sophomore or junior. We're talking about a five or six year relationship that these two guys are now bringing to a, another program that has every bell whistle toy you can imagine to, to work with. So I don't have my concerns about Tyler Buckner if he's healthy. You just need to be healthy. And unfortunately, that has not been the case with him so far. Final thought, because you know Tommy Reese, how does he mesh with uh, Nick Saban? How does this play out there in Alabama? And I saw Bruce Feldman put out you know, his early look at potential Northwestern head coaches. Tommy Reese is one of them. So, uh, you know, look, he had a long list. There was a lot of names on there. Mike Elko, uh, Willie Fritz. I mean, the list was long. But Tommy Reese coached at Northwestern from the Midwest. Certainly could make some sense. Young, maybe uh, excitable guy there. How does this play out uh, at Alabama with Reese as the OC? Yeah, Tim, I, I had quite a few people from Notre Dame blowing up my phone when that news dropped a couple of nights ago <laughs> saying, you know, Tommy's got to get this job, right? Or Tommy's got to be pumped up for this job. And under normal circumstances, I'd say, yeah, absolutely. Now, I, who knows? Again, there's so, there's so many questions about the future of Northwestern. That job could end up being a career killer if it goes in the wrong hands. And I think anyone who earns their stripes for two or three years under Nick, under Nick Saban, um, will probably have better opportunities uh, lined up for them. But I, I think this is a, a very healthy match. Um, look, working for Nick Saban is obviously no picnic. Um, you know, when Tommy Reese took the job, I got a call from someone who worked for Nick Saban who said, you know, Tommy better than I do. You know, not that we're doubting his commitment or anything, but like, does he know what he got into? Like, does he know how intense it is down there? Is, does he have the makeup to work for Nick Saban? I said, yeah, like the guy lives and breeds football. Like he, he doesn't have kids. Like he's in the, he, he's, he, I think he's perfectly suited for a job where you're in the office or on the recruiting trail from sun up to sundown. And it's football, football, football. Not that it wasn't that Notre Dame, but let's face it. You're a Notre Dame fan. I cover that program closely. As much of a blue bow they are, I, I don't think there's any question that the investment in the actual on-field product is much greater at Alabama than it is at Notre Dame. That's just the reality of the situation. That's the reality of the institutions. And I think that suits a guy like Tommy Reese uh, incredibly well, especially when you look at all the great stuff he was able to do um, within, I don't want to say the constraints, but within the unique environment that Notre Dame is. So I look forward to seeing it. Um, you know, I know the people down there are excited to have him. It, 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 look, there are risks here, right? Bill O'Brien statistically had a great stretch at Alabama, but because they didn't win a national championship during his two years there, he almost got run out of town. It's just the reality of the situation down there. It's a different beast, but Tommy's obviously got thick skin. He went through it as a player and as a coach in Notre Dame. Um, I, I think this is a perfect job for, for both coach and school. Yeah. I was, uh, I was very unhappy when I saw the uh, Alabama plane, even though there are plenty of Notre Dame fans <laughs> who were like, yay, get him out of town. I'm like, hey. yeah. And, th and then they saw the the, the coaching search yeah. to replace him. Be which careful what you, yeah, be careful what you <laughs> wish for. Matt, I kept you super long, man. Appreciate it. This was fun. And uh, certainly we'll be talking and hopefully maybe, uh, maybe you could pop in the studio sometime next week. Uh, when you, when you come to town for mountain West media days, let's make it happen, buddy. Appreciate you having me on. Look forward to seeing you uh, in person next week.
At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Oh, that's such a clutch pickup, Dave. I know, right? I was worried we'd bring back the same team. Oh, no, I meant those blackout motorized shades. MVP of the room. Blinds.com made it crazy affordable to replace our old blinds. Hard to install? No, it's easy. Even you could do it. Nice. I installed these and then got some for my mom, too. What, you fly across the country to do the install? Nope. Blinds.com can do it all. All she had to do was pick what she wanted. She talked to a design consultant for free and scheduled a professional measure and install. Look at you, Hall of Fame son. Oh, I just picked the winning team. They're the number one online retailer of custom window coverings in the world. Oh, Blinds.com is the GOAT. The GOAT. He shoots. He scores. Go to Blinds.com for up to 45% off and a 100% satisfaction guarantee. Go right now for up to 45% off at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game, King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think he could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, exactly. he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. He's, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he ain't need it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks to Matt Fortuna. Great stuff from him, at Matt underscore Fortuna. Uh, And hopefully, as I mentioned, he will uh, stop by the VEASAN Primetime Studio next week when he's in town for the Pac-12 and Mountain West Media Days. All right, before we get to Matt Newman's, which I know you're chomping at the bit to hear his two win totals and his breakdown of those two particular win totals. I want to get to them here in just a moment, but we did same face, new place with a little uh, fancy sounder. I've got a, another one I want to hit on real quickly and we call it new face, big place. Yeah. Some new blood, new faces in some big old places. And let's start with Georgia. None bigger than Georgia. Uh, Carson Beck, He's been a a big popular talking point here on this podcast throughout the summer months. What will Carson Beck be taking over 
for Stetson Bennett at Georgia. Big-time recruit, but we haven't seen a whole lot from him. Doesn't get much bigger than Ohio State. C.J. Stroud onto the NFL. Kyle McCord steps in. So both Kyle McCord and Carson Beck are both north of 20-1 to to win the Heisman Trophy. I think Kyle McCord's interesting. When we had uh, Ty Hildenbrandt and Dan Rubenstein on uh, from the Solid Verbal podcast earlier this offseason, I discussed Kyle McCord as uh, certainly a guy that I would look at to win the Heisman Trophy. Uh, Ty Hildenbrandt, Penn State alum, he mentioned Drew Alar. Big-time recruit. He takes over for Sean Clifford. And look, this Penn State team, uh, they're really, really talented. James Franklin... Uh, his best quality is recruiting. I mean, the dudes that he brings in each and every year to Penn State uh, are are top notch. And obviously, they have won uh, a Big Ten championship there in Happy Valley, but they've never been to the playoff. Um, you know, we'll see. They play at Ohio State October twenty first. Uh, they get Michigan at home on November eleventh. Um, you know, the schedule outside of that certainly seems doable. Uh, you know, they they don't go to Michigan State. That's not a true road game. That's a neutral site at Ford Field on Black Friday. They won 11 games last year, won the Rose Bowl over Utah. Uh, they bring back their stud running backs and Singleton and Allen. Um, they do lose Parker Washington, their leading wide receiver. But, you know, this is uh, they bring in Dante Cephas uh, from uh, from Kent State, who <laughs> highly, highly thought of in the transfer portal. So. If Drew Aller is a guy that, you know, can live up to this hype, you know, we were talking to Matt Fortuna about Tommy Reese, right? And there, there's a lot of these quarterbacks, you know, you can probably not Stetson Bennett because he won two national titles, but these quarterbacks that go out, do their job, win a lot of football games, but the fan bases always want more. I think Cade McNamara, fair to say at Michigan, they wanted more from him. I'm a Notre Dame fan. Ian Book, dude only won the most games ever in the history of the school, but fans wanted more. Tommy Reese, also at Notre Dame. I think Sean Clifford kind of fit that, that bill. Won a ton of football games, You know, did everything that was asked of him, 24 touchdowns last year, but Drew Aller is a big recruit. I also need to realize if it's Aller or Alar. Got to double check on that. But he is certainly a new face in a big place and a lot of love uh, out there, I think around 25 to one to win the Heisman trophy. Uh, and then a couple more, uh, another guy that's gotten a lot of steam in the Heisman market. Brad powers was on this podcast about six weeks ago and said, go take Kate Klubnick north of 20 to one to win the Heisman trophy. Uh, right now, when you look at the Heisman trophy market, he's been getting a fair shake of money. Uh, this year, the Heisman Trophy odds on Cade Klubnick at DraftKings are down to 14 to one. So, you know, that's from 20 plus, you know, 20, 25 to one down to 14 to one. Uh, Cade Klubnick, I put him in new face, big place, even though we saw him last year because he's a, a big time recruit. Now he's not Trevor Lawrence, as you know, Matt alluded to, but I think the system now at Clemson with Garrett Riley coming in is a really going to be interesting there and there's a reason that Cade Klubnick at this very point in time at DraftKings has the fourth shortest odds to win the Heisman Trophy. Clemson is a team that will be favored in every single game this year. They have some high profile games. They have Florida State on September 23rd. They have Notre Dame on November 4th. So there's plenty of opportunities 
for a Cade Klubnik to to shine potentially and uh, in his first year as the full time starter. Um, you know, what about Joe Milton at Tennessee? Takes over for Hendon Hooker. Um, I'm curious to see about Joe Milton. Is that was that a system based success for Hendon Hooker? Uh, Joe Milton, you know, lit it up in the bowl game and looked uh, pretty darn good doing so. Uh, his numbers were gaudy last year, more in a, a mop-up role, but he came in, remember, I mean, Hendon Hooker tears his ACL. He comes in and uh, throws 10 touchdowns, no picks, and Josh Heupel's system seems to be very quarterback-friendly. Obviously, they lose Jalen Hyatt, who won the Bolitnikoff. They lost Cedric Tillman, who was dealing with a ton of injuries last year. Brew McCoy uh, is back there uh, for uh, – for Tennessee, they bring in Dante Thornton from uh, from Oregon in the portal. So, you know, what about Joe Milton? Twenty five to one to win the Heisman Trophy. Plenty of big time games at Alabama, of course. The third weekend of October, uh, they played Georgia November eighteenth at home. Is that a system that he's going to thrive in? You know, we thought he was going to be great at Michigan. Not necessarily the case. Got the starting job uh, initially in twenty twenty one. Lost that to Hendon Hooker. And now it's back being his. So even though he's a familiar face, I put him in this category of new face, big place. So, uh, you know, we will see. All right, that's going to do it on that little thought. Let's get to it. Matt Humans joined me and Sean King earlier this week on Follow the Money uh, to give us two of his favorite season win totals in college football. So here you go from earlier this week, Matt Humans on Follow the Money. Let's stick in the the Big Ten uh, and Wisconsin. It's going to be a, a unique situation to see the Badgers this year, Matt, when you've got Luke Fickle stepping in. Uh, I thought that was a phenomenal hire to, to pull him from Cincinnati. He was very selective of of where he'd ultimately go. He lands in, uh, in Madison. They bring in Phil Longo, so this is going to be a totally unique offense that we've never seen Wisconsin have before. They go to the portal, bring in Tanner Mordecai from SMU. Uh, they they made some changes at the wide receiver position. Uh, win total sitting at eight and a half for the Badgers. Uh, how are you looking at year one of the Luke Fickle era in Madison? Yeah, I think uh, I'd prefer to come on here and uh, give you a couple of unders on win totals. So I'm going to be a little square here and give you <laughs> a couple of overs uh, tonight, but I do like Wisconsin over eight and a half. I think this win total is a tick too low. A lot of times expectations get too high for new coaches, but I think deservedly so here for Luke Fickle. And the betting market might be a little bit low on the Badgers at this point. I think he's got everything he needs to win big in his debut here in Madison. The offense essentially returns 11 starters. If you count Tanner Mordecai, the quarterback from SMU, and Jake Renfro, the center, who was a two-year starter for Fickle at Cincinnati, You've got 11 veteran starters on uh, the offensive side. Mordecai had 33 TD passes last year for the Mustangs. He's going to be a major upgrade for a stagnant passing offense. And you're right, it's going to look a little bit different, but the Badgers are still going to run the ball. Braylon Allen, Ches Belusi rank among the Big Ten's best running backs. The defense is going to return eight starters. You know Wisconsin's always solid on the offensive and defensive lines. It's going to be one of the best defenses in the Big Ten. I look, break down the schedule here. Wisconsin's going to be favored in six of seven home games, excluding Ohio State. I wouldn't be surprised if the Badgers upset the Buckeyes. Probably going to be favored in at least four of five road games, maybe all five. 
and Fickle catches a break here because Michigan and Penn State are not on the schedule. I project Badgers to go 10-2. and It could be a little better. A 9-3 and I think would be slightly disappointing, but still enough to top this win total. I like this a lot, Wisconsin over 8.5. You know, I'm with you here. When you look at the non-con too, Matt, it's not very difficult. And as you alluded to, they do get the benefit of the doubt not having to play Penn State or Michigan. Uh, my question for you would be this. Can you go from what Wisconsin has been, as far as I can remember, to what North Carolina was on offense in one offseason? Well, I don't think it's going to be that drastic because it's still Wisconsin and Luke Fickle's a defensive-oriented coach. So you've got two stud running backs in the big offensive line. They're still going to be physical and knock you around up front. It's going to throw the ball a little bit more. It's not going to be like a spread offense where they're going to throw it all over the field, uh, Sean. So I, I still think you're going to have – you'll have better balance and you're going to have more of a threat to the passing game, but it's not going to be a pass-happy offense. So – I don't think it's going to be a total transformation, but I do like this uh, this look at the new Wisconsin offense. And it works, too, because they missed Purdue with Aiden O'Connell. They missed Illinois last year. They graduated a lot of that talent to the NFL. I love the schedule. I think that's a great call, man. Well, and I think, mm-hmm. and I think Matt, as, as you play the, the win total game, and, and I talked about last night, or excuse me, last week, Oregon State, a play of mine. Look at the teams that come to Corvallis Let's get to your next play as we're talking to Matt Humans. The schedule for Jeff Brom in year one at Louisville. My God, who did he pay off to get this? <laughs> no Clemson, no Florida State, no North Carolina. Uh, they do play Notre right. Dame, but they get them at home, and that's a, a non-con game, but we're looking at a win total sitting at eight. And, and look, Matt, I've heard a lot of people uh, that I respect in this industry say, Go over on Louisville. Jeff Brom is a tremendous coach. You're a Purdue guy. You know firsthand what he's able to to pull out. He's a great underdog coach. You know, look at the ass whooping they handed Ohio State. You know, a couple of years ago on that Saturday night in West Lafayette. So uh, Louisville's win total. I'm um, looking at it here at DraftKings minus one ten both ways on eight. How are you looking at the Cardinals? Yeah, I think it might have been seven and a half out there early, yep. but uh, I'd still play this over eight. I think the the weight. For Jeff Brom's going to be worth it for Louisville in the big picture and uh, this first season, too. He's an aggressive program builder, an offensive innovator. He took over a pathetic Purdue team in 2017. He went 7-6 and six with a bowl win in his first year. He's going to inherit a better Louisville team here, a team that won eight games last season. And like you said, Tim, a hospitable schedule. When you break down these win totals, you got to really look inside the schedules. This one excludes Clemson, Florida State, North Carolina, as you mentioned, three of the uh, top four teams in the ACC. Cardinals are going to be favored to win their first four games, Georgia Tech, Murray State, Indiana, and BC. So they should be halfway to reaching this win total by the end of September. I think the schedule might even end up being easier than it appears on paper today. Brom brought most of his key assistants from Purdue. He's already formed a pretty good quarterback depth chart. He's got Jack Plummer who played for the Boilermakers and Brown system before he transferred to Cal. He put up pretty good numbers in 12 starts in the Pac-12 last year. Uh, you look at the schedule, the personnel, Brown's ability to turn things around. Uh, I'm not going to be surprised if Louisville ends up in the uh, ACC championship game. I think Brown's got that type of potential here. Uh, and he's a bet on coach. So I'm going to go Louisville over eight. All right, and that's going to do it for this podcast. We'll be back next week. 
planning a couple of podcasts next week, but we will see. Uh, but certainly more breakdowns. I believe we will get our first group of five conference preview. Adam Burke is working hard on the G5 conferences for our VEASAN college football betting uh, guide. And I believe we're going to try to attack the American Athletic Conference, a new look AAC, because UCF and Cincinnati and Houston have all moved on to the Big 12. Thanks to Matt Fortuna and Matt Humans uh, for joining the podcast. Thanks to Stephen, our producer. I'm Tim Murray. Once again, please rate, review, subscribe. Let's keep this train rolling, and we'll have more breakdowns for you next week right here on the VSIN College Football Betting Podcast. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.